you take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this morning I want to preach a message I've entitled, Confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse number 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all the things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And let's pray this morning as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for bringing us once again to your house, Lord. And uh, at this time, as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts, Lord, and that you would uh, encourage us, Lord, and draw us closer to you, Lord, and that we'd uh, leave this place, Lord, closer to you than when we came in, Lord. And I pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Confidence in Christ. Now, I've never been... Super confident my whole life. You know, it's easy for me to get self-conscious about things. Um, there were times that I, you know, was comfortable doing things. I remember being in school, elementary school, and uh, things like that. And we'd have projects, and you have to get up in front of the class and do presentations. For whatever reason, I always enjoyed that. And maybe it was because uh, I would like sharing what I'd learned, things like that. Um, I would do well in that. But then other things, I wouldn't be very confident in that. One of the things I'm not confident in is singing. I, I, when I get up in front of people to sing, my knees are knocking. Right now, my knees aren't knocking, and I'm speaking in front of you guys. But if I was here to sing right now, and even if I had a bunch of people behind me, my knees would be knocking, they'd be shaking, because I'm not confident in that. I remember the first time in college, uh, we have college chapel, we'd have it on Mondays and Fridays, and um, they would schedule the students to uh, do specials, and the first time I sang a duet, and I'm like, what am I doing singing a duet? And I stood up there, and I could have, I thought people can see my knees just wobbling. Like, I felt like I was going to fall over. It was that bad. And I, I, I'm not confident in that. But sometimes uh, you'd have to put on a front to make it look like you're confident. Um, when I was in college, for whatever reason, I was in a lot of weddings. Um, I was in weddings all the time. I think if you counted my wedding, I stood something like 14 or 15 times in a wedding. It was just people would have a wedding and they would just automatically put me in it. 
okay, I'll be in this wedding. You know, Moore's has that uh, promotion. If you spend $500, you get like a $50 gift certificate. I would get those gift certificates all the time because I was renting suits all the time, tuxedos, going to Moore's for those things. But one of the weddings I went to was a, a friends of mine from college, and uh, she was from Trinidad, so the wedding was down in Trinidad. And I remember going down there, and a good friend of mine went as well. Uh, Brother Calvin Baker went down there, and he was taking the pictures. And basically, because it was such a, a close wedding and not too many people were going, basically, if you went down there, you were in the wedding. So I was like, cool, I'm going to Trinidad. I want to go to Trinidad. It's going to be awesome. I've never been there. So I went down to this wedding, and lo and behold, the only other guy that was there was Brother Calvin, and he was taking the pictures. So I was the only guy standing for the wedding. Well, I never thought too much about it. Went to the wedding, went to the ceremony, the, did the pictures after. Then the reception, I was like, okay, this is fun. Love being in Trinidad. You know, I love food, but there's nothing better than West Indian food. So I'm down there eating all the food, enjoying the time. Then came time for speeches. Well, the different people went up, the father, things like that. And then at this point, the pastor gets up and he goes, at this time, the best man's going to come up and give a speech. And I was like, who's the best man? And I'm sitting there and I realize I'm the only guy standing in this wedding party and I'm apparently the best man. <laughs> you know, I was close to him. Like, I wasn't super close. We got along well. But I was the best man material. But I had to walk up there and be as confident as possible. And I gave a best man speech. I didn't tell them I wasn't the best man. I didn't tell them I didn't have a speech prepared. But I gave a best man speech. And it sounded great. Because <laughs> I pulled it off. I don't know what it was. But I faked the confidence. It was all facade. And, you know, you can try to show confidence on the outside, but oftentimes we're not on the inside. You know, I was scared out of my mind walking up in front of those people to give that speech. And sometimes we could try to be confident, confident in ourselves and in our, our own strength, but our flesh will fail us. We can't put our trust in our, in our fl- flesh and in ourselves. Uh, and James... Uh, 4.14, the Bible says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Uh, yesterday at Man Up Conference, it was a great time, as always, and Brother Wyatt was there, and it was great to see him. The year before, Brother Wyatt had a major stroke, and the doctors had said it was the worst stroke they'd seen anyone ever seen anyone survive. And last year at the conference, we, we thought that he was going to be going home to be with the Lord. And praise God, yesterday he got up in front of everyone, he was sitting down and he uh, preached the message before everyone there. To, it was a, a, a see God's grace there. And it was amazing to see that. But he had, he had told us, he goes, the week before I had my stroke, he goes, I was moving a piano. He had no idea that his flesh was going to fail him, that he was going to have a stroke. He was only 49 when that had happened. And he had all confidence and his ability, what he can do, and the way he was living his life. And just like that, his life changed in a moment. We can't trust our flesh. In, and uh, in the day that we live in, you know, we live in very uncertain times. You know, there's always uncert- un- uncertainty around us with the economy, with politics that we see going on around us. We don't know what's going to be happening in our country with the laws that are changing. There's uncertainty with jobs. There's uncertainty with our safety. You see what's going on all around us uh, with the crime that's going on, terrorism in the world, and the world waxes worse and worse, and there's uncertainty in the world today. And yet, as, uncert- as uncertainty fills the air, 
Let me tell you that God's people can live with confidence today. We can have confidence in Christ. And once again, this is not talking about putting confidence in your own spirituality. This is not confidence in your faith. This is putting confidence in Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And so many times we think we're standing strong. And the Bible t- tells us that we need to uh, think about that before we fall. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was confident. But he was confident in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, in verses 6 to 8 here in our passage, it says, Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. He says we are always confident. He knew that heaven was his home. And his confidence wasn't in anything that he had done. You know, the Apostle Paul, and we see the great things that he had accomplished. We had seen what he was saved from and the grace of God in his life and what he was able to accomplish but through Jesus Christ. And his confidence wasn't in anything that he had done, but it's because he had received the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And you know, let me tell you something. There is nothing like the stability and spiritual confidence in the life of someone who is saved. You know, you can look at the life of someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, where there's no stability, there's no foundation in their life, they're being tossed to and fro, their life's a mess, because they don't have the confidence in the solid rock. They don't have confidence in Jesus Christ. They don't have any stability. But when you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you have that stability. You have confidence, not in yourselves, but in the man, Jesus Christ. And he could be our foundation for living today. So this morning I want to look at a couple of things at how we can have confidence in Christ. And first of all, we have confidence in our salvation. We have confidence in our salvation First off, we are guilty. We were guilty, but praise God, we are declared innocent. Declared innocent. Uh, verse number 12 in our passage says, for we, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that, you, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. Sorry, I was reading the wrong verse here. I'm thinking of Romans uh, 5. Romans 5.12. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You know, we're guilty of our sin. We're all guilty. You know, have you ever stood guilty before someone? You know, we've all at one point stood guilty before your parents. You know you've done wrong. You're standing there. You know you're about to be punished because you're guilty. There's no doubt about it. You might try to lie about it, but you're standing there before your parents guilty. Or maybe you're standing before the principal guilty, standing there guilty. I remember one specific time in elementary school, and it stayed with me for the rest of my life. I think I was in grade four or five, and we're in the change room getting ready for gym. And we're playing around, and I was playing around with a buddy of mine, and we're pushing each other back and forth. Well, that kind of got the rough housing going. And long story short, he ended up choking a guy, and he had him behind the door, and a fight broke out. 
and the teacher came in, and we all got sent to the principal's office. You know, it started off as fun, and it was just, you know, I wasn't there choking anyone, but I was there starting the pushing around. And we walked into the principal office, and I remember the principal to this day, Mr. Smith. He was a great principal. Even saw him throughout high school. You remember my older brother, things like that. We walked into Mr. Smith's office. And the first thing we did, we all walked in there. We sat down on his table. And he yelled louder than I've heard anyone yell to stand up. He says, you do not sit down unless you're asked to sit down in my office. And to this day, when I walk into someone's office, I don't sit down until I'm invited to. I took that with me in college. If I ever got called into the dean's office uh, for disciplinary counsel, we'd walk in and I would stand there. And sometimes he'd say, sit down. Other times he would not let me sit down. And to this day, I walk, it might even be pastor's office, I'll sit down. It's not that bad. But sometimes I'll walk into someone's office and I'll stand there and they'll, they'll say, have a seat. Because of that moment where I stood guilty before that principal. And people got in trouble and, you know, I ended up getting detention, things like that. But we stood there before Mr. Smith, guilty. And you think about people standing before a judge. You know, I've never stood before a judge and never had to go fight a ticket or anything like that. But I can imagine I've seen people stand before a judge, guilty for the crime that they've done, waiting for the, the punishment to be passed. But let me tell you something. We stand today before a holy God. And we stand before him guilty. But praise God, that passage doesn't end there. Where we're guilty before God. It continues. In Second uh, Corinthians, in our passage here, at verse number... Number 15, actually it's still in uh, Romans, I keep going back. Romans 5, 15, it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of many, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And here it's talking about Adam and his first sin and how through him we're all sinners. And sin, that sin nature entered into mankind. But then it talks about Jesus Christ and how he came. By one man, many will be made righteous. We're all guilty, but praise God, we have the grace of God in our lives. And that because of that, we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We were guilty, but we were also reconciled to God. The word reconciled, it means to restore a relationship. And usually when you reconcile, the relationship the relationship was better than it was before. You don't want to make those same mistakes. Maybe it's with a friend. You hear about a marriage relationship, people reconciling and making it better, a new life together. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ reconciled the world to God. And you know what? God never moved. It wasn't God that went away from the world, but the world's been going away from God, moving further and further away from God. And as the world waxes worse and worse and moves further away from God, yet still, He wants to reconcile mankind to Him. 
And when we're saved today, we were guilty, but we are reconciled to God. Colossians 1 verse 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We were separated from God. We moved away from God. We were alienated. And yet still, we we're reconciled to God. He brought us back to Him. He, he welcomed us back. You know, Christ became our sin offering. He died for us that He can reconcile us to Himself. He became sin for us. He felt our pain and our shame. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and he, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath made, hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You know, it's amazing what Jesus Christ would do for us to reconcile us to ourselves. You know, what do we do as, as human beings? We have a problem with someone. There's, you know, there's a, a run or relationship. You know, things aren't going well. Man, you want them to do all the work. You say you get, you, you get things right. You change your life and I will come to you. Well, then we can work it out. What would Jesus Christ do? What did he do for us? What did he go through? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He went through that through all that chastisement, so that he can reconcile us to him. Isn't that amazing that God would do that for us? And we can have confidence in our salvation today for what Jesus Christ did for us. Reconciliation gives us a new life in Christ, and we'll look at that in a few minutes. We've been given a second chance from the wicked life that he had saved us from, and praise God we don't need to go back to that. We were guilty, but we have eternal life as well. And I praise God that we have eternal life and we can have the assurance of our salvation. In 1 John 5, I love this passage of scripture. Anytime I'm talking to a new believer or lead someone to Christ, I share with them from 1 John 5. And I'm not going to read uh, most of the verses here, but I'm going to read verse number 13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And I love this passage because it's basically saying, you know, we know we can be saved because of the Word of God, and the same reason that we know we can be saved through the Word of God is how we can have confidence of our eternal security, of our eternal salvation, and we don't need to struggle with that. It says, these things have I written unto you, the Word of God, that you may know, and we can know that we have eternal life. Romans 5.21 says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. John 6.47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is Jesus Christ, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. When Jesus Christ says you have everlasting life, you have everlasting life, praise God. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, 
and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that of, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And 2 Timothy um, in Second Timothy, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We're saved, and we're always saved. You know, we can have confidence in our eternity. You know, we can have confidence that we will not lose our salvation. You know, I didn't need to work for my salvation. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says that. It's the gift of God in verse number 9, not of works. You know, I didn't need to obtain my salvation. I, need to, I didn't need to strive for it. I didn't need to reach for it and, and try to uh, uh, attain it. It was a gift of God. And I don't need to work to keep it. It's a free gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, we're not going to boast because I maintain my salvation. No, it's the gift of God, and I was saved because Christ Jesus gave it to me. You know, other religions, you look at them, they don't have confidence. They don't look at their book with confidence. They don't have confidence in whoever their God is or gods are. You know, trying to work to some unknown end. You know, they don't know if they've, they've done enough or if they've attained enough or maybe in the next life I can try to reach what I'm trying to reach. You know, I think about uh, Catholics and what they're doing in their religion, their religious works and the prayers that they recite and the rosaries and the repetitiveness. You know, they don't have confidence in their salvation. They don't have confidence in Jesus Christ. They're trying to put confidence in their work, but they don't know what to what end. We can have confidence that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We were guilty, but praise God, we have eternal life. First John 5.13, that you may know that you have eternal life. So we have confidence in our salvation today. But second, we notice that we have confidence in our new life. We have confidence in our new life. In verse 17 of our, our passage here in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, aren't you glad that you're a new creature today? You're not what you used to be. You're not what you were saved from by the grace of God. We have new life in Christ. You know, I think about, I often think about not often think about, but you think about someone who's, who's serving time. You know, they've been sentenced in their jail, paying the punishment for their crime. And just thinking about when I was a kid, you know, when you're in trouble, you're thinking about, man, when I'm out of this, when I'm out of this punishment, I'm going to live the cleanest life ever. I'm going to do all the things I can do not to do what I did wrong. And you think about someone who's serving time and you're, you know, as they're sitting there in jail, you're hoping that they're thinking, when I get out of here, my life's going to be different. That's the hope, right? When I get out of here, I'm going to be different. I'm going to live a new life. I'm not going to do what I did before. You know, as a kid, when you're in trouble, you're always thinking about how great it would have been if I had only done right. You're in the moment. You know, you're standing guilty like, like I talked about in front of your parents, and you're like, man, I just wish I never did this in the first place. I, did, I, I wish I didn't do that. And you look ahead to saying, man, I hope I can make make it through this, but when I do, I'm going to live a clean life. 
You know, we stand guilty before a holy judge and yet still we're declared innocent and we're reconciled and we have a new life in Christ. You know, he pulled us out of sin and despair and we can live a confident life through Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, that's an amazing thing. You know, when you think about the life that you live and what Jesus Christ did for us, how can we not live our life for him? Especially when we're living it through him and Christ living in us. Ephesians 4.24 says, and, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You know, the new creation or the new man desires to serve God. You know, you look at a new believer, someone who's saved. They have a desire to serve God. When you're a new creature, you'll have a desire to serve the God who saved you. You're going to have a desire to attend church. You're going to have the desire to tell others. others. You're going to have a desire to do all you can do to support the church and God's work. You know, I love seeing a new believer and especially seeing the transformation in their life because you see them go from that old man to the new man. You see them transformed by the word of God. You see them changing because the word of God is changing their, their life from what they, had, what they used to be. And you know, many of us here today have a testimony where you say, if you look at my old man, you'll know that I'm a new man. You'll see that I'm a new creature by the grace of God. The new creation wants nothing to do with their past sin, and it's anxious to serve God today. You know, it's not always going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle. Galatians 5.17 says the, uh, the flesh, the old creation fights the new creation. They don't, they don't work together, but we need not quit. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you're in Christ today, you can have confidence that you can have victory over your old man. You can have victory in this life, and you can have confidence in this new life that you've been given, that you've been reconciled, you've been restored to God, and he's done so much and has promised us a life more abundant if we trust in him. We have a new nature, praise God. And we can live with confidence in Christ. And lastly, this morning, we have confidence in our ministry. We have confidence in our ministry. Here in 2 Corinthians, it talks about uh, the ministry of reconciliation. You know, God has done so much for us, and he, He's reconciled us to Himself. And He has, it says here in this passage that He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the word of reconciliation, and we're called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You know, an ambassador is someone who stands in the place of someone else. And and you read this passage and you say, how am I going to be an ambassador of Christ? How am I going to stand in his place? How am I going to represent Christ? How can I be his ambassador? You know, what qualifies me to represent Jesus Christ? You know, I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. But how can I represent Jesus Christ? And the same thing is we don't have confidence in ourselves. We have confidence in what Jesus Christ has done, and we can be an ambassadors not for anything that we have done, but by the person of Jesus Christ. He has saved us, and we might be that we might be made the righteousness 
of God in Him. We can represent Jesus Christ because we stand in His place, not because of what I have done, but all, all of what He has done for me. I stand in His righteousness. And when God looks down on me, He doesn't see my sin or He doesn't see my goodness, but He sees the blood of Jesus Christ and His righteousness is in my place. That's the confidence that we have in our ministry of reconciliation. Not because I'm going out to share my opinion. I'm not going to go out and share my word. I'm going to go out to share Jesus Christ and what He has done for me and share with people how I'm a new creature and how I'm saved and covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When we represent Christ, we're not doing it in a prideful spirit, like look at me and all I've done or what I've accomplished, but rather we're doing it in a humble spirit. Look at what Christ has saved me from. Look at the freedom that God has given me and is available for you. So what qualifies me to be an ambassador for Christ? What makes me to be a representative of him? You know, None of these things matter that we try to do to, to think that we're good enough to, to represent Jesus Christ. We can never do enough, but the fact of the matter is, is that we are a new creature and that we have been made the righteousness of a God and we can share. And we've been given that ministry of reconciliation and we've been given the word of reconciliation that we can share that with others so that they can be restored to God as well. You know, when a government sends an ambassador to another government, it means that they're on friendly terms. You know, you don't send an ambassador to a country where things aren't going well. There's tension between the countries. And often when we revoke an ambassador, it means a form of judgment is coming. You know, you pull your ambassadors out, you hear about it happening all over the world. When something's happening, there's tensions between countries, you start pulling your ambassadors out. You know, at this time, the Lord, He's on friendly terms with the world. You know, he has his ambassadors here. He's trying to reach them. He wants to reconcile this world. But soon, his judgment will begin. He's going to remove his ambassadors and judgment will begin. So it's our duty at this time to be sharing that ministry of reconciliation with other people. Sharing what Christ has done for us. And we can have confidence when we do it because it's not of ourselves. You know, I love hearing the testimonies of of the congregation, the church members, of witnessing the friends and family. And, you know, our church is active in reaching the lost. You just talk to the people here today. You'll, you'll hear people who've been witnessing all week. People are witnessing the family members. People are witnessing for friend, the friends, loved ones, praying for them, asking the church for prayer. And it's amazing to see that. And the church is active in reaching the lost. But let me ask you today, are you actively trying to reach the lost today? And maybe when you think about that, it's a daunting task. It's something that you say, you know, I can't do that. I'm, I'm too scared to share that. You know, it's something that, that, that concerns you. It, it scares you. You can have confidence in your ministry because you're doing it in the power of Christ. You're sharing what Christ has done for you. You know, I think the greatest way that you can witness to someone else is by sharing your testimony. You know, it might be hard for you to to take out a Bible and maybe pass a tract to them. But if you're talking to someone and you say, let me tell you what Christ has done for me. Let me tell you what my life used to be like and what it looks like now. Let me tell you the confidence that I have in my life that I never had before. And you can share that testimony through the power of God and what He has done in your life and try to reach others. You know, are you actively trying to reach the lost today? And I challenge you with that. As this world waxed worse and worse, 
And, you know, the world's searching. They're looking for confidence in something. They're looking for stability. They're looking for something that can give them hope. And we have that. And we have given, been given that ministry to reconcile others to God. And we need to be doing our duty to do what we can with the little time that we have. So we can have a confident life. You know, not of ourselves, but praise God, of the God who is in control. We can have confidence in Him. The God who holds tomorrow. You know, maybe you're putting on a false confidence. Maybe it's all a front. Maybe you're like me standing before those people trying to give a speech. You know, you look confident on the outside, but inside you're shaking. You can live a confident life through Jesus Christ today. You know, maybe you've never put your confidence in the salvation of God. You don't, you've never experienced that. And you have a front like you have it all together and you say, well, I don't need that. You know, I don't believe that. I have something else that, 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 that doesn't work for me. And you have a false front on because in the back of your mind, you're really concerned about what eternity has to hold. It's all a front. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, uh, one, it says, boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, and if we're not careful, even as Christians, as believers, we're boasting every day of tomorrow. You know, we have plans for tomorrow. We have ambitions. But the Bible tells us that we need to not boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we don't know it's not what a day may bring forth. And if you're here today and you're not saved, don't boast of tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what God has planned for your life. On March 20th, uh, 2007, I had a cousin who um, was in a car accident. His friend had a car. He had it had it uh, tuned up and, you know, he was testing it out and he was taking it for a drive and he uh, was coming from Scarborough and he entered the on-ramp from Markham Road onto the 401 going um, westbound and he gunned it on that ramp and he lost control and there's a little ravine that goes down there. It's kind of, unless you know it's there, you'd never really notice it, but now I notice it every time I drive by there and there's trees and it goes down rather deep and he lost control and he rolled that car all the way down that ravine. He had two friends in the car. One was thrown out. Other was pinned in. And Anthony went to the hospital that night uh, to the trauma center. He had internal bleeding. And that light, that night, he lost his life. He was only 20 years old when that had happened. And he was two days away from his birthday. You know, he had all the potential of any young man that I knew. He was a great guy. He was just a lovable person. You know, everyone loved him. Family loved him. He had so many friends. He had so much potential. You know, he was doing great things. And just like that, his life ended. And we can't boast ourselves of tomorrow. We can try to say, you know, I have tomorrow. I can have all the time in the world. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to make that decision today. You don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what the day may bring. And when you do that, you can have confidence in your salvation. You can have confidence in what tomorrow may or may not bring because you know where you'll be if you enter eternity. You can have confidence in your salvation and in in eternity. And you can have confidence, praise God, in a new life. And believer, I hope today you have confidence in your ministry and what you're doing and trying to reach others with the Word of God. Let's pray this morning.